Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Well, it's good to see everyone. Um, today is, uh, this is a really neat day. It's an interesting day. Uh, we're, we're approaching the end of not just our calendar year, but we're approaching the end of the church calendar year. So Advent, which begins in two Sundays, is the beginning of the church calendar for us as Christians. It's when we begin to tell the story of Jesus all over again so we can kind of be re-immersed. And we're, we're leaving what's called ordinary time um, into those special seasons. So we move from Advent to Epiphany, or to Christmas, then Epiphany, and then Lent, uh, and then Easter, and then Pentecost. And that's kind of um, us telling the story of Jesus uh, to one another again. So what we thought we'd do today, next week is Christ the King Sunday. That's the last Sunday in the church calendar. But I thought today we would take as our day to remember uh, where we've been this year, everything that God has uh, shown us, has promised us, and to explore how those things have been fulfilled. Um, and so I'm going to kind of give a brief uh, recap of the year, um, where we've been together, and then we're going to have some time to give testimony. Hey, baby. Hi. Hi. It's like when they try to say, don't look at that dog. It's not happening. There's a dog. You're going to look at it, you know? Um, and then we're going to open it up, and I want, I want to hear from some of you. I want you to come and to share um, what you've experienced this year. Um, and so that's kind of where we're headed today. So I'm going to pray, and then I'll just kind of take us down memory lane. So Heavenly Father, uh, of course, we testify the truth that you're here and that you're with us and that you're for us. You're not against us. Um, and, and Lord, even when it seems like everything around us may be constantly uh, swirling and, and, and competing for our attention, you are the one consistent. You are our rock. You are our firm foundation. You are our refuge in times of trouble. You ground us um, in this moment to rem- to, so we know who we are, um, so we know what makes us valuable in your eyes. And Lord, I pray that that continues to give us confidence that whatever happens tomorrow, we know we're going to be okay because you are with us, that you are guiding us. You go ahead of us, you make straight paths through the desert. So may the words of my lips and the meditation of all of our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So in about October of every year, we, uh, we gather our leaders and our elders uh, to, to pray and to reflect on what God is doing to kind of t- take the spiritual temperature of our community. Um, and then I ask a couple key questions and everybody uh, takes some time, they go away, they pray, and then they bring their responses back to me. And it might be um, a particular scripture, or it's an image, or it's a, just a hunch of what they sense the Lord is doing. And I take all of that, uh, and I kind of look through it for the common threads, and that's how we discern what our vision is each year. Um, and so this past year, this, is, this has been our vision for the year. From the throne flows a river of renewal. So in October of 2021, when we came together, we recognized like, okay, so in 2020, we had this kind of allegiance to King Jesus as our dominant vision. Well, what is the, what is the flow from that? What is the outpouring 
of Jesus on the throne, what does that begin to do? And we marry these two ideas of seeing Jesus on the throne, but then seeing um, this renewal happening because of that. And so the whole year was really about exploring uh, renewal. And so one of the key scriptures that we looked at for that is in Revelation chapter uh, 21, beginning in the 22nd verse. So I'm going to read this, but what I actually want to do uh, is I want you to close your eyes and I want you to allow your imagination to kind of run wild. So what's happening here, this is like the end of the story. Um, and I love that a lot of the images in Revelation, they're, they're, they're one part current rea heavenly realities that we can't see through our earthly eyes. And they're one part like this is where the whole story is going. And I think that this passage is very much that second one. It's like, here's the, 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 the kind of radical, imaginative um, end to where God is taking all of us. So as I read it, I want you to close your eyes and just allow the Lord to give you a picture um, of what it looks like when Jesus is on the throne and how that affects us. So this is Revelation chapter 21, beginning in the 22nd verse. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. So this passage, I think this vision, it's one of these visions, that it's kind of simultaneously a heavenly perspective of where we're at right now. You know, Often as human beings, we just lower our sights to just what's right in front of us, and we lose that heavenly perspective to really see what God is doing currently. What is the perspective of God uh, on the throne, um, and how does that inform our confidence in where we're at in history to know where it is that we're being taken, that we want to see this image fully realized um, in history itself? And so we have these two halves, like I said to this, this passage, that from the throne, we were reaffirming the centrality of Jesus as our King and as our Lord overall. Um, and that everything in this world finds its context in King Jesus. Like he informs us of what creation is intended to be, that 
that Jesus is the one bringing back together heaven and earth, these things that have been split apart uh, through sin and through evil in the world. And the second part being flows a river of renewal was recognizing when we're in right relationship with God, how does that begin to change our perspective of our place in the world and what everything in this world is actually for? So as we often do, the first series of the year, we tend to focus on one of the Gospels, to tell the story of Jesus from the beginning of the year right through uh, till Easter. And we usually focus in on one of the Gospels. And this year, we actually did it a little bit differently. Um, we had a series called Eureka. And in this series, we said, you know what? A lot of people in our community have a hard relationship with the Old Testament. How many of you like Old Testament? It's a little weird. You don't, really don't know how to do it. And a lot of that's because many of us grew up in churches um, where the question that you were being told to ask is, how do I go to heaven when I die? Um, or how do I live a, uh, you know, kind of more interesting life today than I did yesterday? These kinds of se like selfish questions that we're often caused to ask. And so there's, the Old Testament really doesn't answer a lot of those questions. It doesn't seem like particularly, quote unquote, useful. And so we have a couple passages in the New Testament that do seem to do that kind of like self-improvement, self-care. Here's how to have a healthier marriage or manage your finances or whatever. Um, and so we don't really know what to do with the Old Testament. But when we actually reframe the question to say, how is God going to rescue the world from sin and death? We actually realize the Old Testament is vital. And so what we did in this series was that we looked at all of these moments in the Old Testament where there is a person who either seems to be this pre-incarnate Christ coming uh, to the people of Israel, showing them the way in anticipation of his full coming, um, or people that kind of lived a life that was so symbolic that it was a foretaste of what Jesus was uh, to, to be in his fullness. And so we, we were, our, our attempt in the spirit of renewal was to renew our vision of the Old Testament to see how vital it is because it kind of operates as pointing us down the road to see, to prepare us to understand Jesus as the Messiah, as the King. Um, so we took that up until Easter. And then after Easter, we were in a series called For the Sake of the World. And in this series, we were really thinking, how do we renew ideas like justice, like evangelism, and like missions? Um, you know, that perhaps many of us grew up in church cultures where, uh, you know, those, the extent of those things was like issuing a tract or cornering somebody in the grocery store to tell them about Jesus or whatever. Like we're you know, our, our generation, especially as, as millennials, we're, we're very keyed into what's inauthentic, but we don't really know how to rebuild what is actual authenticity. Um, so we can smell disingenuous evangelism or missions, like we're very good at wagging our finger at all the people that have done it wrong. But when it comes to actually thinking about what does it mean to do this right or to do this authentically to who Jesus is, we're kind of stuck. And so we don't do it. We don't evangelize and we don't do missions um, and even our pursuit of justice can often be rather limited. So in this series, we said, how do we renew our understanding of what it means for us to, to live a life for the sake of the world? That's, that's what God is doing through the church, is that we become the foretaste of what is to come for all of creation itself, and we participate in this life. And through that, we begin to witness to the people around us. So we talked about understanding our own stories um, who we have special authority 
to connect with because their story is our story too, right? Like many of us, it's when you, your heart breaks for someone because you see in them um, brokenness or tragedy that you actually know because you've walked that out. But you have met Jesus in that, and there's been a tremendous amount of healing. So to be able to share that kind of uh, connection with people becomes an extension of preaching the good news. Uh, and then our final series that we just wrapped up was A Generous Common Life. And we said in this one, how do we renew our understanding of fellowship, of what it means to be the church? That, yes, many of us have been hurt by people in the church, uh, specifically people in this room, most likely. Um, but how do we renew our understanding of what it means to be the church? That, you know, this isn't primarily a social club. Like, we're not getting together because we all like the same things. Most of us don't like the same things. I still can't get anybody to go with me to heavy metal shows. I have to get my weird friend Mark from Orangewood Presbyterian to go with me. I know. Those Presbyterians. We always have, like, our secret shirts. We're like, dude, look at this shirt I got with a skull on it. He's like, I can't wear that. I can't wear it at church, but I'm going to show it to you. I'm like, cool, dude. I love it. Um, but there's this invitation to depth in community. And I think the problem with a lot of modern church is we get to a certain level where there's like an invitation to actually open up your life to another person. And it's awkward because nobody knows how to do that bit. And so then we just leave and we just go somewhere else. We just find another church that has more perfect people who have less problems or whatever it is. And um, it's always astounding to me. It's like you would never go to a, a hospital and be like, I can't believe how many sick people are at this hospital. They must be doing something wrong. And it's the same attitude we have with churches. You know, it's like, I can't believe there are all these broken people at this church. Like, what's wrong with them? They must be doing it wrong. It's like, where would you expect them to be, you know? So how do we learn, especially in the series, it's like, how do we how do we maneuver this strange paradox that Paul gives us between what's our personal responsibility to carry? Each of us have a responsibility to do the creative best with what we've been given without comparing ourselves to others. But then out of that, how do we show up for one another um, to, to carry something that maybe feels a little bit too much for just an individual to be able to carry? And that's what we were really exploring in that series. And last week, we especially were talking back through some of those main points um, and, and exploring what, what's, still, what's still with us. Like, what's the invitation from God in this next season that there's something there that I want to explore? So, like, for me, we were talking about this on Thursday in our community group. Like, I, I'm really interested in this idea of anti-fragility. And I was talking on Thursday with the group, like, I'd say 10 years ago, uh, I was very uh, much more um, afraid of authority in a sense that, like, if an older person critiqued me or something, I could just kind of crumble and revert. And I, I noticed myself not doing that as much, as much. So like when my 80-year-old Albanian neighbor Frank comes over and starts critiquing my grass, I can just kind of like receive it and I don't get like, oh, I feel like a bad boy. Like, you know, so like there's this anti-fragility is the idea that as we learn how to uh, press through difficult emotions and how to process hard ideas, it actually makes us stronger um, through that engagement. And that's the thing that's really been on my mind a lot recently, and I feel like that's the invitation from God for me through the rest of the year, is to more intently focus on how do I become anti-fragile? How do I deal with hard things to stop running away into my coping mechanisms or to escape them um, or to dismiss, dismiss things in order to avoid? But how do I deal with the hard things in my life or the hard ideas that kind of flutter around in the world? 
in a way that I become stronger. But that sense of strength isn't about being calloused. That sense of strength is actually motivated by tenderness. That's really what I'm looking at for this next year. So that's kind of brought us up to where we're at today. Um, there's, this another, there's another really beautiful little line in Revelation. You know, Revelation, it's kind of like one... Um, you know, it's like one theater scene after another. That's what's happening here. It's like kind of a surrealist theater piece. Um, and there's this, this, in Revelation 12, there's this kind of poem where they're recognizing uh, the lion who is the lamb. And, they're, and they're, they're, they're getting a vision. You know, John is getting a vision of heaven and this lamb who was slain from the beginning of the world. And there's these elders and they're singing songs and it zooms out and there's all these angels and they're singing these songs and it zooms out and it's, all these people who gather around Jesus as the king, and they're singing all these songs. And there's this little line in Revelation 12, 11. It says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb, triumphed over the devil. I should make that clear. Uh, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death, which is what I hope it says on my grave. <laughs> Thank you. He did not love it. The other one that I found this week was King David talking to one of his sons, and he says, I am not long for this world. Now be strong and act like a man. And I was like, that's my final words. <laughs> that's my final words to all of you. I'm like, man up. I'm, I'm out of here. Man up. Whatever that means. Whatever it means to be a man these days, be that. Uh, but I love that. They, can you bring that back up? They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And so what we see here that what overcomes evil in the world is, first of all, the radical sacrifice of Jesus as the way of redeeming and renewing all of creation. It's through the blood of the Lamb that has been shed since the beginning of the world. But it also comes through the word of our testimony. Um, and yes, part of that word of our testimony is the way in which we live our lives. We've talked about that a lot, that with evangelism, that I think in the 21st century, we look a lot more like the first century than we thought, as opposed to like 100 years ago, where like everybody kind of knew Bible. And so when they were doing these big rallies and, you know, there was a lot of evangelism happening, it's kind of like shooting fish in barrels to get people into church. But in the world that we're in today, it's very much we're moving into a post-Christian society. And our best testimony is the way that we love one another as the church, that we're presenting this radical alternative to society. And so part of the word of our testimony is how we authentically love one another. But part of the word of our testimony is having words. It's learning how to share our stories. Um, and that's what I really want uh, to create space for today, um, for you to find the words that you can share um, to speak about what God is doing. Um, and I think this is a place where a lot of times your ego is going to get in the way, and you're like, oh, I'm not a good public speaker, or I'm nervous, I don't want to do this. And it's like, a lot of times when we're in that place, we think that our testimony is about us, and we're the ones that are on trial when we come up here and we share. Um, I remember Bre Brene Brown talking about this, like the like this lack of confidence she would have to go on stage, and someone had pointed out to her, like, why are you making it about yourself? Like, why don't you make it about what you're here to talk about? There's this dramatic shift for her, like, oh yeah, when I when I'm up there, when I'm speaking. It's not about me. It's about what I'm trying to say. And so when we give testimony, that's what I encourage all of you. Like, it's not about you. You're not coming up here to be on trial. Um, you're coming up here to give glory to God. 
and to give words to what God has done in your life because there's somebody that's sitting within 50 feet of you that might really, really, really need to hear what you have to say. And are you willing to get out of your own way in order to present that truth to somebody in a way that it might draw them closer to Jesus? That's what testimony is really about. So I'm gonna give you about four minutes. When you came in, you were given a half sheet of paper and a clipboard, and there's these two questions breaking down that two parts of, uh, of our vision for this year. Number one, what has King Jesus on the throne meant to me this year? How has Jesus revealed himself to you? How have you seen him as this constant presence in your life over the past year? And then secondly, what aspect of my faith has been renewed this year? Is, like, so we talked about scripture, we talked about justice, evangelism, missions, we talked about fellowship. Like, There's all sorts of little bits and pieces of the Christian faith. Is there something there that has been renewed where you maybe it was feeling tired, worn out, boring, but Jesus has done something and you're like, oh, I'm looking at this from a whole different angle that I actually see how beautiful it is. So I'm going to give you about four to five minutes uh, just to reflect on those two questions. All right. 
You can keep writing, um, of course, if you feel like there's more coming there. So these are a few kind of basic guidelines that I find really helpful for testimony, uh, because sometimes it can be a little bit awkward for us, and maybe you've seen this done not in the best way. So number one, uh, testimony is about saying what God has done or is doing in your life. Um, so sometimes when we share stories, it's about what we're doing or what's happening, and every once in a while God makes a cameo, which betrays that we believe in this interventionist God who, like, we do the rain dance he shows up for five minutes on a Sunday morning, does something, and then we just go on with our lives. But how do you tell a story to say, this is what God has been doing or is doing in my life? Kind of more like what, we, what we've learned about with, with Jacob uh, wrestling with the angel, where he says, surely God was in this place this whole time, and I was unaware, right? Like, we're waking up to be like, oh my goodness, God has been present in this whole thing. So when you share your testimony, what you're doing is you're talking about what God has done. Number two, um, avoid extraneous details. Um, one thing that I've noticed, and I think we do it because we get nervous, is we start talking a whole bunch, and we're like, well, I was like going down the road to my grandmother's house, and then I passed this like this black cat, I stopped to pet it, and da-da-da, and it was da and at least I got this text. And it's like none of it has anything to do with anything. It's like be succinct. Like tell us the story in a way that we can understand where you're headed. And our goal will be about two to three minutes in total, okay? So I'm going to open it up. Um, you can come up and you can share on either of those two questions, what is King Jesus on the throne meant to me, or uh, what aspect of my faith has been renewed this year. Um, so keep it succinct, keep it directed to like remember why we're here, but also ultimately remember like what you have to share might be what somebody in this room really needs to hear. So encourage them as we're uh, working out the year. So like, here, here's what we usually do. Everybody waits for the first person to go. So we're just going to pretend like there was a person that came up and we're going to applaud. And then we're going to ask for the second person. Ready? Okay, go. <clears throat> wow. 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 I don't know if anybody can top that one, honestly. Uh, so who wants to go next? Who wants to be, who wants to be second? <laughs> it, it was worth a shot. Nicole's actually running farther away from the microphone. So again, take your ego, put it aside. There's one. Come on down. Check. Okay, good. Hey, I'll hold the, I'll hold the mic for you. What's your name? I'm Vaini. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. What do you got to say? Hey guys. Um, so, um, long story, but I'm gonna make it three minutes. Okay. Uh, so, uh, it's a church that I, I, I used to attend. Do you mind if I hold it? I'll hold it for you. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Just in case it's too long and I'm like, okay, anyway. No, no, no. <laughs> so, it's a, uh, it's a church that I used to attend, and that first church that I used to attend, they did not allow vulnerability in a place where like you can um, share the real stuff you're going through. And I was going through uh, spiritual like stuff like where um, I was not very great with my faith at that time because I was exposed to like plenty of things through the pandemic and stuff like that. I was exposed to new stuff and stuff like that. 
But then when the church opened back, I was a completely different person because I wasn't really exposed to faith. And I actually needed help from people from the church to help me. And I couldn't get that because they didn't make room for, like, to open room for, to share the thing that you need help for. Then I was like, okay, cool. Um, I don't feel like I feel it because it, I, I didn't have room to actually get the help that I was trying to seek. I went to another church, believe it or not. I'm not saying don't go to any other church. This church is beautiful, <laughs> perfect. I'm just sharing my story. You have a great pastor, by the way. Anyway, um, yeah, I went to this church, and what was great about the church that I'm still I'm at right now, it's like, I'm not from here, but I'm from Brooklyn. I'm on vacation. Anyway, um, yeah, what was great about, what is great about the church is that even with the brokenness I had, they still gave me the love to open up and just share, and they helped me through it. And I think that was great. And I think it's important to be able to, like, share with the people like around you from the church, be able to share uh, with each other just to kind of help each other out through faith and just, yeah. And if you're going through something, just seek someone that you can open up to um, that can help you with your faith. It's not easy to keep up with the Christian life, but praise God, I think I'm not going to keep going, but <laughs> that was that good. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Who's next? Tam, are you like running away? Are you move, moving? Okay, great. Come on up. Good. You should be. Come. Okay. I couldn't imagine doing this every Sunday, so kudos to you. Um, so I don't really know where to start, but I came from a church most like where there wasn't an opportunity to speak how you feel and. Um, explore your faith and question authority. And I've been placed. In, <laughs> I've been placed in a very unique small group where I'm able to be around people that I've never thought <laughs> I'd be around. And it God has really opened my eyes to this like beautifully unique, messy, just amazing lifestyle. Like with all my brothers and sisters that are so different. And it's been so intense for me because I'm usually a person that can figure out people pretty quickly. And I haven't been able to figure out these people in the most beautiful way. And it's been, um, as much as it's been anxious, it's actually been a big peaceful time in my life. Like being able to kind of wrestle with my, not only myself, but the people around me. And it'd be completely, not only like encouraged, but like, like not only I'm sorry, Darren usually helps me fill in the words, and that's my husband, so shout out to Darren. Um, so yeah, just being able to appreciate the community um, for all its flaws and all its, its beauty, and it's been an awesome experience. Not always easy, definitely not easy, but God's given me the opportunity to like indulge in that. So thank you for everybody, including Isla. She's been here not very long, but she's inspired me the most out of everybody in my life. <laughs> Um, yeah, so if you're not in a small groups, 
and you are hard exterior, you will become soft within a year. That's my promise to you. Okay. That's awesome. Who else? All right, come on, Eli. You heard Brooklyn showed up, and you're like, <laughs> hold my Bible. Blessings, blessings. No, I try to stay away from the mic. Anytime there's a mic, I'm always want to run to it. So I try to be patient. So I let enough people go. No one went. I'm here. <laughs> um, God has been working with me in how I view myself in Christ, how the reflection of the mirror is seen. So I'm been a Christian since 98, and it wasn't until this year that, I, that he exposed to me that I saw no worth in myself. I don't, not, not many people know me here, but the people that do know me know I'm very confident, cocky, uh, full of myself, very Puerto Rican from New Jersey. Uh, you're, you probably know me best. <laughs> so when, when God exposed that to me, I was really thrown to the side because how could a, an individual such as myself not find worth within myself? Um, this started out when I was seven. So since seven to now, I've been moving in life with just grateful that I have God to lean on. And this is the year that God's saying, well, let's lean together. Let's, let's stand together. Let's, let's link arms. It's okay to be yourself. It's okay to love. It's okay to be loud. It's okay to be the reflection that the mirror has given you because I created you to reflect that. So what, what I'm learning today uh, or what he's been teaching me is that I am beautiful, that, that like the ocean, like we all, we all hear the ocean, right? And we're like, wow, so beautiful. We sit there and we close our eyes and we meditate and, and we, we fantasize all by the crashing of the ocean. But what we don't realize is that we're listening to chaos. Like the sand is forever being refaced, it's forever being weathered, it's forever being pushed, tossed to the side, back and forth, never being able to grip a, a, a moment of stillness because of the, because of the water and the, and the earth and the moon and all the science that goes behind that. I want you all to look at yourselves that way because we are, we are chaos. We are constantly evolving, constantly changing, constantly being pushed to the side, left and right. And... In God, you can is where you see your reflection amongst the chaos, right? The birds get to fly, never stress eating, but they're always fed. If, if we see ourselves in that chaos, then we can see how beautiful we truly are. Then we can realize that we do deserve love and we do deserve to be uh, appreciated. And that's something I'm learning. I'm, I, God has me in a, in, a, in a lonely position this year so that I can learn how to love in him. By him. Jennifer. Yeah, come on down. Uh, so I actually really appreciate the whole thing here. So I'm going to read from the script. I mean, we're big on clipboards here. Uh, so my name is Jen. Um, what has King Jesus on the throne meant to me this year? Um, so a big part of my story is I come from a performance mindset, a performance, like good girls look this way. They do these things and then you get love. Um, 
And in a post-pandemic America, this year has been a constant reminder of how little I can actually control. <laughs> Even when it comes to my performance and how I step up as a human being. Um, and it has been a constant reminder and it's not, I'm not just talking politically, but um, it's been a constant reminder of how, at least in my past and my story, the people who I have, who have been in authority over me haven't always acted with my best in mind. And that's been really heartbreaking because um, I'm sure that we've all been in positions where there have been people that we've needed to care for us and they haven't acted in our best. Um, and Jesus on the throne has been the antithesis of both of those things. So he is in control in a, in a world where I am not, and it feels scary. Um, and he cares for me, and he does things, hard things sometimes, but he does things in a way that I can grow through them. And it's been really encouraging. And the aspect of my faith that has been renewed this year has been, um, I've always considered myself like the older sister, like this, the one who's like particularly okay at adulting, like it sucks, but I'm fine, it's fine, I'm in control, I'm a good girl, I perform. Um, and in this year, being a year where like nothing is going to plan, very little is in my control, um, it has been, it has renewed my faith in the midst of what feels like failure, to open myself up to people like in my small group or people, brothers and sisters who truly care for me and for me to make myself vulnerable and to say, I don't have it together. I'm not a good girl. I'm not performing. I'm falling behind where I should be. And to have like to a person, to a man, they have, they have, seen that vulnerability and they have been kind, they have been compassionate, they have shown, they have been the, the hands and feet of Jesus, right? So this was not designed to be a pitch for a small group, but it's tough to walk into here and have deep heart needs, right? To have things that you need help with and to like get what you need on a Sunday morning but if you feel okay with taking a risk, I encourage you guys to get involved in a small group where you can actually have that rhythm in your life where you have people like looking in on your stuff and be like, how you doing? And you can be like, I'm doing it not great. I'm really struggling. And to have them go, you know what? That does suck, but we're here. Um, and that has been renewing in my faith. That's been really encouraging. I, I've seen you in the front row. What's your name again? Um, I was just going to say Kimberly. <laughs> Kimberly, that's not my name. Um, yeah, you'd think when I sing, like, I'd be better at talking. I'm not. Um, if you weren't sold by that pitch for a small group, I will also be pitching for small groups. Um, that crazy small group that Tam is a part of, I'm also a part of. And I feel like, <laughs> so is Johnny. Um, God is just really just strengthened my faith and reminded me of the importance of doing life together. In a season I was so afraid of walking into, which is parenthood, I was just so afraid of being isolated and alone. 
Like, it's just crazy. Anytime anything goes wrong or I need prayer or I'm excited about something, I just text my small group text. Like, I've never been part of a community that I'm just like, they, I do life with them. I want to tell them all the good things, all the bad things. And she's going to hate me for this, but I'm going to brag on Katie Cottle. <laughs> and I'm not going to cry because she'll hate me even more if I cry. But this girl, man, God has just used this girl so much, like, to open her home to all of us. Like, we wouldn't be together without her willingness to just open her home to all of us every single week. And, like, she's loved my kid like my kid's hers. And it's all because Jesus. Like, she just loves so much like Jesus. Um, and so I've just been really, really encouraged by her. And there's people like that that I don't even know who are in this room. And if you have that heart, um, to do that thing, like it will change lives. It literally has changed my life. It's changed. I've watched it change everybody else's life as well. So, um, sorry, and join a small group. Thank you. <laughs> I like our small group. Um, I think what the Lord has shifted in me this season is teaching me to want him more than I want to show up for him. So like I was putting so much stake in the identity of being Christ to people. Not that that's a good thing, but like um, I want to be whatever, anti-hateful, anti-racist, all these things were becoming my identity um, to the point where I like could not, can, like I, I was wrecked if I wasn't those. And the Lord was seeing like, first, like I want to know you and me to grow closer and then out of that healed, broken, beautiful, safe relationship, you become my hands and feet. So I was like out here without being in here. And so he's brought me back into here. So it's been sweet. Love that. Love that for you. Jackie. Uh, hi, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jackie. Um, two stories, one super short story and then one slightly longer story. Um, Isla Barr was the first baby that I ever got to snuggle and that has been so nice and I'm really grateful. Okay, that story's over. So now, um, now to the other story. Um, my word of the year was rest and I just assumed like surface level be about like, oh, it'll be a more relaxing year and I get to sleep more and like that has been partly true. But I think this year, like rest was more of a retirement of a um, character that I was kind of putting on. And it's not like I've ever lied about who I am. It's not like I've ever uh, deceived anyone no, like wittingly about it. But um, oh, uh, I guess we're going to have another pitch for small groups. So um, I'm in Jen Swanson's small group. She uh, is the tall woman with glasses who came up a few times ago. Yep. And there she is again. And um, I've been forced to be, not because they forced me, but circumstances, <laughs> circumstances have forced me to be vulnerable, actually vulnerable and not like just play acting vulnerability, but at being actually vulnerable about my feelings and instead of, cause a lot of people, my, and my default response anyway is, you know, hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. Cool. Cool. And, uh, giving up social media has been like such a huge breakthrough for me because I, that I use that personally as a way to like talk about like how awesome I am, how awesome my life is partly as a way to like convince myself, but also to avoid like real vulnerability about how 
no, I'm not having a good day. Thank you for asking. Um, but being a part of my small group, um, most of them are here today, has been such an eye-opener for me that I can finally retire and put to rest that character of, you know, like, oh, I'm the vulnerability girl at church. Oh, I'm on the worship team. Oh, I'm so involved. Everyone, like, look at me, but not in like, uh, you know, Miss America self-absorbed way, but like, you know, like I'm desperate for love. Please love me. And I, I think that is what Miss America is about. <laughs> that you're, he, he's not wrong, but like actual love, like seeing like me and all my flaws and all the weird things that I rant about at small group and still being loved anyway, that for me, and my good parts too, like there are, I'm, I'm not just the girl who cries at small group. Um, but being able to see, and not just like others to see me, but to be able to like advocate for others and see others as they are and be with them in their struggles and really great news. And, you know, they're also like some of the first people that I turn to when something good happens or something terrible happens or, you know, some weird thing happens or like, hey, how are you guys doing after the hurricane? Like, and like there's, I've been here 10 years. So of course I have other people in my life that I do that with too, but, um, I'm just so grateful. And January, I think, is our next Praxis, and I'm sure Ryan will talk about it. So uh, keep your calendars open for January. <laughs> Let's do maybe one more. No? Okay. Band, go ahead and come back up. Um, so it's important that we're continually engaged in that process of testimony, like whether it's in your community group or with the people that you're connected with day to day. Part of our testimony is to speak over each other things that are true that we often forget. So you know, a few weeks ago, I preached on blessing. And when we bless one another, we're reminding ourselves of what we've forgotten or we're revealing things about ourselves that have been hidden or we're kind of casting vision for where we could go with God, like where God is inviting us to. And I think it's vital that we reclaim testimony, reclaim um, blessing for one another to remind ourselves to stay the course, to keep our eyes open, to remember that Jesus is with us and that he's for us and he's doing something phenomenal in our midst. So I wanna invite you to stand with me. And just to kind of wrap this up, um, we're going to confess the words of the Nicene Creed, um, that our faith is a confessional faith. Uh, to be a Christian is not to have a lot of good doctrinal ideas or to know how to interpret the Bible correctly. To be a Christian is to confess through our words, through our actions, um, that we follow uh, Jesus as our Messiah, as our King. And so when we confess the words of the Nicene Creed, we're doing that same thing. We're speaking to the deepest part of ourselves and we're speaking to one another. This is what we believe. This is the story that will save the world because we see it saving us uh, even now. So we're going to confess the words of the Nicene Creed together and then we're going to worship. So together we say, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and through 
our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate in the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's worship. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.